Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It's Tuesday. I hope wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world, you're having a decent start to the week. So now we know Arsenal's opponents in the round of 16 for the Champions League. They will be playing Porto. Not the toughest draw, not the easiest, just very much in that in-between category, I would say. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Got plenty of questions and comments from you guys as well. Um, about various topics, actually. So we'll get stuck into those towards the end. Uh, Dominic Solanke being heavily linked with Arsenal in the last sort of 48 hours or so. We'll talk a little bit about that, give my thoughts on that. We'll look at the squad, um, look at who potentially could go this January. If Arsenal are going to do any business, it might well depend on moving some players on, bringing in some decent amounts of cash to potentially spend. So we'll look at those. We'll go through the squad, look at potentially who could go. Uh, and plenty other stuff as well. So let's get started. And we'll start with Dominic Solanke. This has been quite an interesting one. I turned up at the game on Sunday. I was talking to a couple of guys sitting around me in the stadium. And they were like, oh, what's this about Dominic Solanke? What you heard about Dominic Solanke? And um, it was just an interesting conversation. I think just the name has sparked some interesting debate. I've seen it on social media yesterday. People talking about him. And a lot of people seem to be turning their nose up at this one. Obviously, it's not, I don't know what you would describe as a sexy uh, transfer link is it? It's a player we all know who's been in around, been in and around it for a long time in the Premier League. It's never quite sort of hit the heights that a lot of people tipped him for when he was a, a younger player coming through. But having said that, he is now in very, very good form, performing very, very well for Bournemouth, scoring goals home and away against decent teams, having an excellent season. And now he's been linked with a move for Arsenal. I saw a uh, fifty million banded around as a possible price for Dominic Solanke. We know that Arsenal are in the market for a striker. It is an area where they're looking to improve, whether that be in January or probably more likely the summer. We shall see on that, though. Um, and there's been big names. Osimhen, of 
course, from Napoli, heavily linked, a player that we know Arsenal have an interest in. Uh, Ivan Tony, another player consistently linked with a move for Arsenal, with his future very much in the air as he prepares to come back from his uh, ban that he's been serving for for falling foul of the Premier League's betting rules. Um, and now we've got Dominic Solanke's name thrown into the mix. I saw a story, I think Sammy Mottbell at the Mail did a really good piece yesterday looking at where Arsenal are at the moment and where they potentially could look to go as they attempt to go deep into the Champions League and the Premier League. And he linked Ollie Watkins, a player who... Um, big Arsenal fan, doing very, very good things for Aston Villa. So lots of strikers being linked. But Solanke's an interesting one, just because of the reaction. I'm quite surprised. Well, I say that. I say I'm quite surprised. I'm probably actually not that surprised, just because he isn't this big glamour name that obviously a lot of fans want. I actually really like Dominic Solanke. I'm not saying that Arsenal should sign Dominic Solanke and that he'd be a game changer. I think whether he would be a game changer is very much up for debate. And I think when you look at Arsenal right now, a game changer is kind of what they need because they've got really really good players but you need players to take them to that extra another level would Solanke do that I don't know you know it's that is very much up for debate is he he's not you know I suppose you look at you want world-class signings now to come in and make Arsenal better they almost need absolute guaranteed world-class signings because the players they've got already are so good if you're going to improve you need to be a hell of a high level is Solanke that Potentially not. He potentially hasn't shown that yet. Could he do that if he moved to Arsenal and played with better players? Who knows? And that's the big thing. When it comes to transfers, we never know. So many times, I remember when Arsenal signed Ben White, so many people looked at that. 50 million. Like, what are they, why are they doing that? So many Arsenal fans said that. Like, what, Why are we signing Ben White? Why are we spending this amount of money on a player from Brighton who, let's face it, none of us really knew too much about? And look at what a good player he's been. There's been lots of signings who have come in who at first everyone was very sceptical about Aaron Ramsdale, for example as well and very very quickly proves people wrong and what's to say Dominic Solanke wouldn't do that you know I really like Solanke I, re- I was watching the Man United game the other day when Bournemouth went to Old Trafford and turned Man United over and I was so impressed by Solanke in that game and this was before any of the links came about with Solanke he scored the first goal obviously a really nice finish but it was his play in the build-up to the second goal which I think was Billy ended up scoring with a header but you watch Solanke's play in the build-up for that and I watched that and I just thought god he's got something about him Dominic Solanke, he's been really, really impressive this season. I saw that and just, oh, he's come on a lot. He looks like a really well-rounded Premier League player now. Um, and he scored some really good goals this season. So, look, I, I'm not going to sit here right now and say this is something I'd be totally against. If, and I'm not saying it, if I haven't found out yet, if this is absolutely, you know, there's lots of truth to these links at the moment. I'm still in the process of trying to find that out. And if I do, then I'll obviously report an awful lot more on it. But, you know, if Arsenal are genuinely interested in Solanke and they do push for him. It's not something that I'd absolutely turn my nose up at, I have to say, because I have seen a lot from him that I do like. And I think there's a player there. He is, he's, he's 26, I think next, next, he's 27 in September, I think it is. So he is getting in the older bracket when it comes to Arsenal transfers, the side of sign-ins that, you know, they're not averse to doing. We've seen that with Jorginho and Trossard last January, but on the whole, they prefer to go for younger players that they can continue to develop. Solanke is now getting a little bit older than that. But again, that's not to say Arsenal wouldn't go for him. Um, yeah, so I'm not re- I'm not ready to absolutely write this one off if it was a case that Arsenal were looking for him. Because I do actually think there's a real player there. And I think if you move from a club like Bournemouth to, to Arsenal, then you could well step up another level. You could take your game to another level. And I think Solanke's got the attributes. You look at really, really physical, you know, I mean, just look at his stature. He carries himself very, very well. His technique is very good. His finishing 
he's certainly showing this season that he can really, really finish as well. He's faster than a lot of people give him credit for. So I do think he's got an awful lot of good attributes here. And look, if Arsenal have identified him, if Mikel Arteta has looked there with Edu and they've identified him as someone that they think that could come in and improve this team, then I think you've got to trust that. And again, I'm not saying that that is the case. I don't know yet if that is the case and they have identified him as that player. But if they have, I think they've earned enough leeway from most of the deals that they've done to think, OK, if they see something in him, they're far more qualified than we are as fans uh, in terms of what he they think he would bring to the squad and bring to this team, then you'd have to put a little bit of trust in them. But we shall wait and see. Look, it's silly season. There's lots of players being linked at the moment and I haven't heard anything absolutely legit from anyone that I've spoken to about who a name might be that Arsenal are interested in. So I am kind of just discussing speculation at the moment. Um, but if I do find anything out about it, then of course I will bring it to you. But let me know what you guys think. I know this one's going to generate a lot of debate. I know most, I'm expecting most people to be like, no, 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 we shouldn't go near him. We should be signing, we should be spending money on someone else. Uh, and I'm fully expecting that, um, uh, that sort of reaction. But yeah, he is, uh, he's one of my players, Dominic Solanke, that I've always just looked at sort of quietly and thought, there's a player in there. I really do think that. So I'm not absolutely 100% against it, I have to say, but let me know what you guys think in the comments below. I mean, when you look at the squad and I think it's, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that Arsenal will probably need to move some players on, bring some money in if they are going to do anything significant in January, not necessarily do anything in January, but if they want to do something significant, I think they're going to need to make at least one big sale. When you look at the squad as it is right now, when you look at where potentially that sale could come from, there's not too many options there because most of those players you would consider absolutely untouchable at the stage of the season that Arsenal are in and what they're trying to do this season. Um, you know, there's not many. I mean, there's one that really sort of stands out, obviously, and that's one of the goalkeepers in Aaron Ramsdale. Because of what's going on, because David Raya is now number one, if a really decent offer came in for someone like Ramsdale, then maybe that is something that they would have to consider. I don't think it's something they want to consider. I think right now, as it stands, they would much rather get through to the end of the season with Aaron Ramsdale there because they know that makes them stronger. It makes them far more equipped to go deep into both competitions. And if something happened to David Rye, you've got an excellent goalkeeper there who can just come in and slot in. And if you sell Ramsdale, you're going to have to replace him. I don't think you can go for the second half of the season as Carl Hine as number two. So you're going to have to bring in another goalkeeper anyway to replace him as Arsenal's number two. So I'm not so sure on that one. I've spoken before. Cedric Suarez is a player that could well go this window. There is interest in him, as I reported uh, last week, Villarreal clubs in Portugal as well, potentially some interest from Turkey. So um, we'll keep an eye on that, but that's not going to bring in any big amount of money for Arsenal. So you look elsewhere at where potentially there could be, and I've seen Eddie and Ketty's name being linked with move away, but again, I'd be very, very surprised if Arsenal were even remotely interested in doing something with him in January. He's playing a key role this season. He's playing lots of games. Even if Arsenal were to bring in another striker, I still think you're keeping Ketty. You have all three of those for the rest of the season. So you look at that and think, doesn't really work. Emil Smith-Rowe, another player who's kind of been on the fringes of things who you could bring in some decent amount of cash for, but Arsenal are not blessed when it comes to midfielders at the moment. They've got lots of players out, lots of question marks over the long-term availability of some of these players. You know, how's Thomas Partey going to do? Is he going to be able to come back? Can you um, can you trust Thomas Partey to stay fit for the remainder of the season? I'm not sure you can let Emil Smith-Rowe go. I don't want Emil Smith-Rowe to go at all. As you all know, I'm a big fan of Emil Smith-Rowe and I think he looks like he's getting... You know, he's certainly worked his way up the pecking order at Arsenal now. He's getting more game time when he's fit and available and he's just come back from this latest injury. Um, 
so it's tough to see where that big sale comes from. It really, really is. I just look at that squad and I just don't really see it. Um, Kieran Tierney's out on loan as, at the moment, obviously. He's not going to go in January for, for big money. That will be something that potentially happens at the end of the season. So out of all of them, Ramsdale's the one that sort of jumps out as the most likely option. And this is why I'm a bit... I'm a bit sceptical about what Arsenal are going to do this January. And as I said, the sort of message that is coming out is probably not to expect too much. It's not an absolute, we're not going to do anything, but it's a, you've got to understand this is going to be quite a hard window to navigate because the finances are pretty tight and because everyone wants to do most of their business, long-term business in the summer rather than January. So it's going to be a really interesting window, I think, when it does open in just a couple of weeks' time now in terms of what Arsenal do and what they can do, what they want to do. I'm sure we're going to start to learn a lot more about the possibilities as we head through the remainder of December now and January rolls around. I think the key thing as well is you kind of want to do things relatively early in January because if you're going to sign a defender or a midfielder, which I think is the key area for Arsenal, as much as we talk about strikers, in, I still think that is something for the summer. I think right now the key areas are defence and midfield because that's where Arsenal are light. And if something were to happen, you know, we don't know the extent of Jorginho's injury now, for example. You know, if something were to happen to Jorginho, keep him out long term, you're basically, there's no other option at the moment apart from Declan Rice. And that is real, real worry because then if something happened to Declan Rice, I mean, who who can you play as, as, as a six in this Arsenal team? Because Yes, Party's coming back and he's on his way back and it, hopefully that's going to be very, very close before we see about training again. But then he's got AFCON. So I think if you're going to do something, midfield and defender is the key is the key area for me. And it's yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how Arsenal approach this window when it does open in just a couple of weeks' time. Let me know, of course, what you think, what your hopes are, what your you know realistic ambitions are for Arsenal in January, what you think they should be doing and any names you think should be out there that they should be targeting. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart. A better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, so moving on to the Champions League draw. Now we know, of course, Arsenal versus Porto. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the full draw there. Some interesting games. Paris Saint-Germain versus Sociedad. PSV versus Dortmund. Copenhagen versus Man City. Napoli-Barcelona. Inter versus Atletico. Lazio versus Bayern. And Leipzig versus Real Madrid. So for Arsenal, it's a trip to Porto, first of all, on February the 21st. I think that is then the home game will be after that. The second leg brings back memories of, what year was it? I think it was 2010 when Arsenal played Porto in the Champions League. Uh, Knockout stages, lost 2-1 over in Porto. I remember Sol Campbell scored over there. It was just after Campbell made his return when Arsenal offered him that contract when they brought him back just to basically get fit after his spell with Notts County and all of that. And he ended up earning himself a contract and he scored the header over there. I think it was 2-1 to Porto, but then 
Arsenal destroyed Porto at the Emirates. Nicholas Bentner scoring that hat-trick. Samir Nasri scoring that wonderful goal when he jinked through everyone and then scored from the tight angle. It's the last time the two sides have met. It's Look, it's a tricky draw. They've got pedigree. We know that. They're a top European team. They're very well-versed to playing in Europe. They know um, exactly how to play when they're in Europe. They're so experienced. But it's a team you look at and think that this is a team Arsenal should be winning. But you can't take anything for granted. Look, Arsenal went out of the Europa League last season to support in Lisbon, another Portuguese team. So we know how difficult they can be. And again, they're so experienced, all these Portuguese teams, when it comes to European competition. But, you know, Arsenal won't be fearing this this leg, you would think. And if they play well, if they play anywhere near their full capability over the two legs, then this should be a, a game, a tie that Arsenal progress through relatively comfortably. Um, <laughs> just the thought of um, Pepe against Saka or Martinelli or Odegaard strikes fear through me, especially at that crucial stage of the season as we get into sort of mid-February and head towards March and the title running comes up. I would very much hope that it'd be very nice if Pepe could get himself just pull a hamstring or something like that before the two games because I don't want him going anywhere near Arsenal's, <laughs> Arsenal's attackers in those two games. The fear of what he might do. Um, but yeah, interesting. Let me know your thoughts on that draw and how you think Arsenal should approach it. I think I will be heading over to Portugal. So it's going to be a really good trip, that, for Arsenal fans. Uh, 3,000, I think, heading over as fans. Really lots of interest in that trip. So yeah, I think for, for the fan point of view, I think it's a really good draw as well. And uh, it should be two really decent games. Um, just wanted to bring this to your attention. If you haven't seen it yet, I've dropped, I'm going to drop the link into the description. Granit Jack has done a really good interview with The Athletic. He's been talking about a load of stuff about his time over in Germany so far, what he's doing with Leverkusen, the amazing stuff Leverkusen are doing. Still unbeaten in all competitions this season, Leverkusen. Xavi Alonso doing an unbelievable job. He talks about that. He talks about Arsenal, goes deep into what happened at Arsenal, why he left and all sorts of things. Mikel Arteta. Really interesting stuff from Granite Jacker. So do head down. The link for the uh, for the interview is below in the description. He talked about Kai Havertz as well, which I thought was really interesting because what Kai has had to go through since he's come from Arsenal, the criticism, the spotlight he's had to go through, it's something that Granite Jacker, of course, had to experience and did experience during his time at Arsenal. And he spoke about Kai Havertz and thought these were quite interesting comments. He said, I know what it's like for Kai when people on the outside are a little bit nervous and the fans get restless. He just needs to stay stay calm. It's a new position for him and it takes time to fully understand Mikel's philosophy. He's getting better all the time and his confidence is coming back. Everyone knows his potential, but having the confidence of your club, your manager and your teammates is everything. You always need that back in. Arsenal supporters sometimes can take a bit of persuading to change their mind. But at the end, I won them round. I hope for Kai that he will do the same and that the critics will eat their words. Um, and at the moment, with what Kai's doing, the critics are eating their words and I'm one of them because I certainly criticised him quite a lot during his uh, the start to his life at Arsenal. I always hoped he would come good, but I admit there were signs. Uh, I was struggling to see signs of him coming good. Um, and I'm very glad right now that I'm eating my words and taking yet another slice of humble pie, which I'm very well-versed well uh, well to taking during my time analysing and commenting on all things Arsenal. Always uh, tend to get quite a few things wrong, but that's the way of football. And when you look at here, these interesting stats here of what, Havertz and the way he's improved in the Premier League. You look at from that first column is what he did in match weeks 1 to 12 in the Premier League. And then the second column is what he's done in just the last four. So 13 to 17. It's one goals to three. You look at his shots per 90 minutes. 3.4 shots he's averaging per 90 minutes now in the last four games for Arsenal. Up from 1.6 in the first 12. Shots on target gone up to 0.9 from 0.1. Chances created per 90 gone up from 1.8 to 1.1. You look at his XG 
per 90 as well. So he's getting into the positions now, 0.3 to 0.6. So it's just an upward trajectory in all areas for Kai Havertz at Arsenal at the moment. And that's really great to see. It's so important. As I said yesterday's show, you know, initially during those first few months when he really was struggling, it was almost like at times Arsenal were carrying a player and you can't do that in the Premier League. The quality is just too high. You, it's a real struggle if you're carrying a player. So you needed him to step up. You needed him to get used to that position and he's getting used to it now and he's contributing and Arsenal certainly aren't carrying a player. If anything, he's been their standout player for the last month or so, which is why he's just been rewarded with the club's player of the month award. And that's fantastic to see and long may it continue. So I thought it was really interesting comments from um, from. Uh, Granite Shaka. So please do head over, click on the link below once you watch this video and go and read the interview in The Athletics because it is well worth your time. It's an excellent, excellent read. Okay, moving on to some of your comments and questions now before we uh, before I wrap this up. Uh, Aura Freak says, Hey Charles, I think our, a lot of our fans underrate Porto. They are physically a very good team who can dominate the opponent. Also, Dermot Gallagher is probably the worst feature on Sky. Yeah, ref watch. Dermot Gallagher is hilariously bad. It really, really... He doesn't even answer the questions that he gets asked by the... Uh, um, by the interviewees, I can't remember his name. Who is it? Does it? But he just fudges the question, and just doesn't even answer them. He's just straight, and he just never disagrees with anything. It's it's awful. It's just as bad as when Peter Walton was uh, the go-to man on BT Sport. But yes, look, I don't I, I don't know if people underrate Porto or not. I'm certainly not going to underrate Porto. I'll never underrate anyone in the in the Champions League. They're a really good side. They'll be tough to 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 beat. Arsenal found that out when they played Portuguese opponents last season in Sport in Lisbon, um, in the Europa League. So. They're going to have to be on it. If you're not on it, you're going to go out of the competition. So, you know, and Mikel Arteta and the players will certainly not underestimate them. That's for sure. And they'll they'll be, they'll know exactly what to expect. They'll know how physical they are. They'll, you know, all that will be, I'm sure they will not be under underestimated. If there are any fans that are, then the players certainly weren't. And that's going to be the most important thing. Uh, here's one from Colin. He says, hi, Charles. When giving player ratings, suggestion, if possible, include rating scores in the visual player game rating replaces player number. Yeah, I agree. I'll look into seeing if I can uh, can do that. That probably would make it a lot better for you guys. And I always want to obviously improve uh, what it's like for you guys watching on. And what is the plan intent uh, to offer daily content over the, festi if, uh, over the festivities? Awaits three-letter, one-word reply. I was trying to work out what this, what this reply was that you're awaiting there, and I couldn't work it out. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure. Um, the plan is to do what I can over the festivities. I'm not around from Thursday onwards until the 27th. I'm not around. I'm away with my family. So, uh, but I still do plan to put out stuff if I can, whether it's going to be every day, I doubt, but I will still try and put things out. I'm back on the 27th. Um, I'm not going to be at the West Ham game because I've got another family thing Christmas. My next game that I'm back will be Craven Cottage for the Fulham game on New Year's Eve, but I will over the festive period, still try and put out as much content as I possibly can. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully that will uh, you'll be happy with that. Uh, David says, Charles, do you th not think that now, considering how dominant we were against Brighton, that a twenty-goal a season striker is now a must? I know our midfield and forward line can get all get on the score sheet. We could so easily have ended the game with one point rather than three. With a clinical finisher, we would have had three points the previous week at Villa Park. Yeah, I get what you're saying. The only issue is there, if you get an out-and-out -out striker who's going to guarantee you 20 goals a season, and there aren't many of those as well. Everyone, every transfer is a, you know, you could, Arsenal could go out and get Osman, and it might not work. You never know. As good as Osman is and what he's done in Serie A and all of that, he could come over here and it might not work. No one is a guarantee. I remember when Vlajevic was on, was apparently on the market and was being linked with Arsenal. Everyone seemed to think he was this world beater who's going to take Arsenal to another level. Hasn't happened for him at, at Juve, has it? No one's a guarantee, no matter who you sign. So um, 
you know, obviously if you go and get Haaland, and that's different, but Haaland and Mbappe don't, don't grow on trees, unfortunately. They're just very, very hard to come by. That's what makes them absolute genuine world beaters. But anyone else, you're still taking a bit of a risk on, I would say. Um, so you never know. And also, you never know if it's going to disrupt the team. You know, Arsenal works so well at the moment as a team with Jesus, Saka, Martinelli. They all know each other so well. They work so well with Jesus there doing all the stuff that he does. If you suddenly take Jesus out of the team, and you put in a different striker with different attributes, maybe the the forward line doesn't click as much. And maybe the chances that have been created now won't be created as much. So it's all, you know, it's all a little bit hypothetical at the moment. In one way, I see your point, And I do, yeah, obviously you want to guarantee 20 goal a season striker in the Premier League. I still think Jesus can do that. I have to say, I really do still think he can do that. I think he's got the qualities to do that. But um, yeah, I do. I, I Arsenal do need another striker, one hundred percent. They need another striker, but I don't see it necessarily as an out-and-out replacement for Jesus. I see it as just another player to come into the squad to give Mikel another option up front. Um, so that's what my, that's what my view is when it comes to the strikers. Uh, here's one from Harry. She says, "Hi, Charles. Regard reading in my Twitter timeline, there's a possibility of Timber coming back in January or February. Any insight into this? No, uh, look, I don't." Just uh, anything, and I've said this so many times, anything you read when it comes to a timeline for Urien Timber, just take it all with a pinch of salt. Just let him come back when he comes back. There's, we cannot put pressure on Urien Timber to come back. I've already, I've said it so many times, I'm still looking at next season for Timber. You know, that's it. If any, if we get any sort of time out of him this season, it's a bonus. And I'm just not expecting it. No pressure should be put on him. You know, I think January, February is definitely too soon. I think March is a best case scenario when it comes to Timber. But even then, even if he comes back, you've got to ease him in. And it's very hard to ease a player in in the latter stages of the Champions League or right in the middle of a title running. Really, really hard to do that. And it's a risk to do that with someone coming back from that type of injury. So for me, I'm still I'm still looking at next season when it comes to Timber. And as I said, anything more than that is a bonus, but I don't want any sort of risk taken with him because it would be the worst thing for him to come back a little bit early and then to get the same sort of injury again. It would just be an absolute disaster. Um, last one here is from Casper. Says, "Hi, Charles. You're going to discuss at some point. I wanted to ask, what do you make of our chances at Anfield? Uh, you talk there about the form that Liverpool on. That if McAllister's out, then um, and we keep everyone fit, that we've got a real chance of beating them. Look, what, what do I make of our chances at Anfield? Look, they're they they're good because Arsenal are a very good team now. We've seen that. We saw what they did to a team like Brighton at the weekend. We saw what they did at Aston Villa, even though they lost that game." When I went to Villa side who just hammered and dominated Manchester City for 90 minutes, it was a completely different game. You know, the way Arsenal play, the control they have, if they play well, they can go to Anfield and they can perform really well and they can cause Liverpool problems. But it is Liverpool and it is Anfield. So you just never know. You know, I think they've got a good chance. But when you're playing a team like Liverpool with the forwards that they've got who can score at any sort of opportunity, even if the team's not playing well, they can still score three or four goals at the other end. As we've seen recently when they played Fulham, didn't play well, conceded three, but still won the game because they had enough going forward to score goals. You know, it's very hard to shut Liverpool out at Anfield. You look at the run that they're on at Anfield, the records that they're setting in terms of what they're doing at Anfield. They're so hard to beat. So it's going to be incredibly difficult. Arsenal's record at Anfield is absolutely miserable. It's horrible. I hate Arsenal playing at Anfield. It's just seen them beaten and beaten badly there so many times it does my head in um but look it's a game that if you want to go and win the title you go up there and you win you put you beat liverpool you send that message out and it would be a fantastic result um but we shall see at the end of the day i think they've got a good chance but it's going to be really really difficult no doubt about it all right that's it from me everyone thank you very much for watching or listening appreciate your time as always i'll be back tomorrow to talk all things arsenal once again i am going to try I think tomorrow, myself and James Benj are going to sit down and do an inside Arsenal extra time. 
I don't know when it's going to go out because, as I said, I'm away over Christmas. So I'm trying to sort of make sure I've got enough content to go through, even if it's not every single day. I want to have enough content. I think myself and James Benji are going to sit down and going to do a sort of Arsenal review of 2023. So we can look at the highs, the lows, the best games, the worst games, the worst moments, all that sort of thing, the best signings, the best players. And and it'll be our sort of end of year 2023 review. If you want to get involved in that, then please do let me know at the bottom and reply to this video, right? Extra time and give me your thoughts. Who's been the standout moment? What's been the standout moment of 2023? What's been the most disappointing moment of 2023? The best goal, the best player, best performance. Let me know anything like that that you think we can add to our 2023 roundup. Let me know in the comments below. All right, everyone, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Always have a very good Tuesday. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.